61 yard game ending field goal. Haven't we heard that one before with a score of 27 24? Yeah, we have before. And this is just a tough loss to absorb. Now, for the sake of this podcast episode, I'm going to talk about the Vikings game, all the positives, negatives, whatever. But to be completely honest with you guys, I've already moved on to the Colts game because the Giants control their own destiny and a lot of things go into that. And we had a couple of scenarios play into our favor, but ultimately on Saturday, the Giants could not get the job done. Welcome back to the Big Blue in the Bronx podcast, everybody. Please like, comment, and subscribe to our post notifications so you know when a live stream pops or a video drops. Appreciate y'all coming back. Also, five stars on Apple Podcasts. Appreciate all the new subscriptions. I don't know if we'll get to 900 before the end of the year, um, but I just wanted to throw out some podcast updates as well. So, obviously, last night was the final boys in the Big Apple podcast. Uh, for the year, we're going to take about a two to three week break. We'll be back probably right now on the 16th uh, or the week of the 16th. I believe that is a Monday, uh, the third Monday, I believe, of January. So there's that. Uh, same thing applies for the Dead Red podcast. Final one is on Thursday. That's going to cut off for a few weeks. Hopefully we'll get some more baseball rumors and stuff like that flowing uh, by the time we get back. Twin Bill. Um, you know, obviously we'll see what's what with Pete. That's probably still going to go on as well. And, um, as far as the best of compilation in terms of our live streams, podcast episodes, whatever best of part of the channel, uh, the best moments that's going to be released tomorrow. I'll probably put it into two parts because it is pretty extensive, but Hey, I appreciate you guys for coming out, supporting this year. We've grown a lot. Uh, So, once again, share out, do all the good stuff, much appreciated. But, let's get into this game. And, I'm not a guy that takes moral victories. I'm not. And I was severely pissed off coming out of this game. I'm not going to lie to you guys. Um, Also, it just stung because, hey, listen, we've been hurt by 60-plus yard field goals before. And, uh... You know, once I saw Greg Joseph kick it, I'm like, yeah, he's fucking got it. So, um, you know, it's happened to us before. That's just a giant thing, I guess. It's become a giant thing over the last few years. Um, but this is the game the Giants could have had in the bag. And they've could a lot of unforced errors, as somebody put it, uh, put the Giants in a position to lose. There were penalties. There were drops, there were fumbles, there were interceptions. You know, there's a lot of things that went wrong. And the Giants could have easily been up. You know, the Vikings played down to the Giants' level. And, you know, whether you like it or not, all the Vikings are fraudulent. They're not fraudulent. I mean, they got a record for a reason. You know, people say they're fraudulent, whatever. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and defend Minnesota on every level, but, you know, their record uh, implicates who they are. Bill Parcell says you are who you record who you are who your record says you are. So uh, take it as that. That's you know my personal advice. We'll go through the offense, the defense, stock up, stock down, snap counts, and and the show off there. So let's go through the stats. Uh, Daniel Jones, thirty of forty-two, three hundred thirty-four yards, one touchdown, a pick, three sacks taken, a fifty-seven point nine QBR, and a passer rating of ninety-two point eight. Kirk Cousins. 34 for 48, 
299 yards, three touchdowns, four sacks taken, 50.8 QBR, 107.9 rating. As far as uh, the Giants rushing attack, Saquon Barkley, 14 carries, 84 yards, and a touchdown, six yards per carry. Daniel Jones took off four times for 34 yards, most of them being scrambles, uh, 8.5 yards per carry. Matt Breida, two rushes for nine yards, and Brightwell had a negative one-yard rush. As far as the Vikings, uh, Dalvin Cook, 14 carries, 64 yards, 4.6 yards per carry. Alexander Madison, four carries, 17 yards, and Kirk Cousins had a run for two yards. Giants receiving game, Richie James led the way with eight receptions for 90 yards. Isaiah Hodgins, his third touchdown of the season, eight receptions, 89 yards. Uh, Darius Slayton, four receptions, 79 yards. Saquon Barkley had four catches for 49 yards. I don't know if I said four, but I meant eight catches for 49 yards. Um, ben, Daniel Bellinger had two catches for 27 yards. Justin Jefferson had 12 receptions for 133 yards and a touchdown. TJ Hawkinson, 13 uh, receptions, 109 yards, two touchdowns, KJ Osborne, three receptions, 17 yards, and then Dalvin Cook, Adam Thielen were basically non-factors in the receiving game. In terms of fumbles, Jones had a fumble, and it was recovered by Evan Neal, and Bellinger had a fumble, it was recovered by Brian Asamoah, the linebacker, the rookie linebacker out of Oklahoma. So you take a look at the Giants' defense overall pretty well, pretty solid in terms of the stat line. Four sacks, 11 quarterback hits. Jalen Smith, Landon Collins, Aziz Ojolari, and I believe Dexter Lawrence also got in as well. Actually, no, they're not counting him with a sack. So it's Aziz, it's Leonard Williams. They didn't go to Dexter Lawrence with that one, but it's Leonard Williams, Aziz, Jalen Smith, and Landon Collins with sacks. Um, Jalen Smith also had a tackle for a loss and a quarterback hit. Uh, Dexter Lawrence had a tackle for a loss and a quarterback hit. Kayvon Tibbs had a quarterback hit. Um, a tackle for a loss, a quarterback hit, and a pass deflection for Landon Collins. He played really well. Uh, Jihad Ward, three quarterback hits. I believe that's a career high or a season high for him. Leonard Williams had two quarterback hits and two tackles for a loss alongside his sack. A uh, quarterback hit for Jason Pinnock. Really love him on those uh, DB blitzes. Aziz Ojolari had a quarterback hit and a tackle for a loss. And that was pretty much that. Six tackles for a loss, six pass deflections. Take a look at the uh, Minnesota side. Not too different. Uh, not too many tackles for a loss for them. But the same amount of quarterback hits and one less sack. DJ Wanham and Kyrus Tonga had half a sack. Uh, Daniel Hunter had two sacks. Four quarterback hits. Um, Shannon Sullivan had a quarterback hit. Dalvin Tomlinson had a quarterback hit. He also had a tackle for a loss uh, where he blew up Mark Lewinsky, I believe it was. And Wanham had a quarterback hit. Zadarius Smith had three quarterback hits. And Kyrus Tonga had a quarterback hit as well. So, you know, that's a stat line for the Minnesota Vikings. Team stats. Uh, let's go to team stats. 23 first downs for each team. They had 17 passing first downs. Giants had 15. Six rushing first downs for the Giants. Four for the Vikings. Two first downs for penalties on each side. Third down efficiency. Giants were three for 11. Minnesota was six for 13. One for one, Giants were on fourth down. That was a Saquon Barkley touchdown. And 0 for one, the Vikings were uh, on fourth down. Total plays, Giants ran 66. The Vikings ran 71. Total yards, 445 for the Giants. 353 for the Vikings. 11 total drives for the Giants. 12 for the Vikings. Yards per play, Giants 6.7 yards per play. And 5 for the Vikings. Red zone. One for two, the Giants. Three for four, the Vikings. Penalties, seven for 63 for the Giants. And 214 yards, the uh, Vikings. And two turnovers for the Giants. 
one fumble and one interception. And then time possession was really tight, 29-13 to the Vikings, 30-47. Let's go to the offense. Before I shout out the player that's getting a lot of praise right now, I want to shout out somebody else. I want to shout out Mike Kafka um, because this game plan was absolutely awesome. It really was. The thing I liked with it, and I'm going to include Jones and Barkley in this conversation. Let's, you know, get the elephant out of the room right now. Daniel Jones had his best game of the year. He did. Now, obviously, that came with an interception. He only threw one passing touchdown. But through thick and thin, in most of those moments in the game, he led the Giants down the field. This was uh, better than the Detroit game because, obviously, we won. Well, I can't even say it. We morally won this game, if it will. I almost said we won this game. Like, no, the fuck we didn't. Um but that game was less close. This game was closer, and you could tell Daniel Jones just made a difference. Um, you know, he led the charge for the Giants' offense. Obviously, had that crappy interception where it was the right decision. He just didn't place it very well. Um, Saquon Barkley only ran when he needed to, scored the game tying touchdown, and once again, that goes towards Mike Kafka. You didn't see a lot of first down runs. That's the second game in a row. You put the game in Daniel Jones' hands, which you know had to happen with. This passing defense being as bad as it was, and I know people are going to say, well, you know, you kind of expected Daniel Jones to do that with the passing defense looking like this. Nah, because, you know, a few weeks ago, Daniel Jones got a lot of yardage and garbage time. I mean, yeah, he had over 300 against a very bad pass defense at the time with the Lions, but how much actually counted towards um, being in the game, right? You know, before that Hodgins fumble, how many yards did Daniel Jones had? I think he only had like 271. So, you know, make your cases there. Uh, but Kafka, this was, I best, in my opinion, the best game all year, game plan all year for my Kafka, uh, where he just put it in Daniel Jones' hands. All the concepts were good. They threw deep a lot. You know, they had some explosive plays. Uh, you know, shout-outs to him. Shout-outs to him. Shout-outs to Jones. Shout-outs to Barkley. And, you know, they didn't bell cow Saquon Barkley, which made him for more efficient, right? Um, you know, he obviously got that big chunk yardage touchdown, which I believe was 20-some-odd yards. Uh, they only, once again, ran when, you know, they needed him to. And, you know, may not look great on the stat sheet. Oh, he only got 86, 87 yards. You know, that's not good. Well, you got to look in the game, right? Um, you're not going to get a ton of yards, A, if your O-line isn't blocking. And, you know, the O-line did a fair job against this Vikings pass rush. But also as well, you're not going to get a ton of yards if you're being used on second and short, third and short, fourth and shorts. And that's honestly what the Giants should be doing the rest of the season. Now, obviously, next week they do play a Colts team that has a very good defense. Uh, the week after that, you know, there's some other things going on with the Eagles. Uh, they still have a very good defense. I don't know what the situation is with their starters. Um, and then obviously, you know, if we win against the Colts and play our cards correctly, we get into the playoffs, and then we're worrying about that. Though I do want to see the Vikings again. Um, I want to not purposely tank for that seventh seed because I think most likely the Vikings could get the second or the third seed. I don't know how it works with the you know teams playing each other, but I think the second plays the seventh seed. And if that's the case, the Vikings take the once the second seed really so it's like eagles then it's the uh what do you call it eagles then it's the vikings and then it's the niners so i think if we play the niners we're in the sixth seed you can flip that around and make it more sense you know um 
if uh, we get the six seed, I think we play the Niners. The seven seed, we play the Vikings. So, um, and there's a very good chance that Detroit may pass us, obviously, because the record, they would have to win these next two. And the tiebreaker, they have it over us because they won some games. Um, obviously, Seattle is also a threat. They play the Jets this week, and Mike White is expected to return. So, you know, obviously, you're probably rooting for a Jets victory. But the Giants, once again, just clinching a playoff berth gets them in in terms of you win against the Colts and you're in. The Giants haven't had a situation in the last few years where they were able to clinch their own destiny. You had to wait in 2020, and that was, you know, that was a fake anomaly, whatever you want to call it. Just a situation where, you know, the Giants didn't do enough and the whole NFC East was terrible. Now the NFC East is good and it's kind of flipped between them and the South. So there's that. But uh, quickly, just to finish up, Daniel Jones led the charge for the Giants offense. Um, You know, obviously a lot of people may not be moved by this performance because the passing defense, the Vikings or this, that and the other thing was well, you know, um, for some people it could move the chains in terms of thinking that Daniel Jones may be the franchise quarterback or he may be, you know, good for another year or two in a Giants uniform. So there's that, but you know, you can't be coming off this game nitpicking Daniel Jones. You really can't. And um listen, I've been critical of Daniel Jones in certain situations when it calls for it. You know, I've been critical of this whole team. Um, especially, you know, a couple of weeks ago when I was critiquing Kafka and the pass run ratios and all these different things. But if you're picking uh, different parts of the game just to say Daniel Jones is terrible. I mean, to be completely honest with you, you just have an agenda. Uh, that's that's my opinion. But uh, obviously, we'll see what happens later in the week. I do have a Colts guy. We're going to line up uh, for an interview, a discussion for the preview that will be out on New Year's Eve. And, um, you know, with that being said, we'll see how the Giants could coordinate a game plan. So, um, in terms of the help around Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley, Daniel Bellinger with a key fumble, Richie James with key drops. I mean, Bellinger uh, wasn't really that much involved in the passing game. He really hasn't been in the last few weeks, like we've seen before, to be completely fair. Um, you know, but he's got he's to gotta have that ball because, I, in my personal opinion, the Giants were going for seven on that drive. You got to... Got to hold on to the ball there, bud. Um, but he's done solid as a blocker. I can't really critique him too much. Richie James, and I know, yes, he got 90 yards. That's not a Richie James-type game. But in critical situations, I mean, the Giants were in a very good spot. You know, third and short, that's favorable for a Giants offense that's been stagnant on third down every year. And they're putting themselves in position – well, not every year, but, yeah, every year, this year, whatever. Um. But the thing with that is, is you know, third and five favorable, and then Richie James just drops it. I mean, you got to have that in your hands, you really do. Um, and I get it. Listen, Richie James isn't very talented. This is the receiving core that Daniel Jones is working with. But you know, in that situation, you have to go out and uh, catch the ball. Hodgins and Slayton were the best receivers on the field. I mean, uh, no, I, I may or may not change my mind on Slayton coming back. In terms of my thoughts, the organization will do something different. Uh, then what I think they may do the same as what I think, but Isaiah Hodgins, man, he is a guy to keep in the future. Now, is he a number one, a number two, or even a number three? Probably not, but this kid, I mean, he just is playing his heart out, uh, because he knows that he got this opportunity, uh, you know, because the Giants were very depleted, the wide receiver core, and they said, hey, listen, we know this guy from Buffalo, let's try to bring him in, 
and he's played really well. He's probably been the best receiver of the second half. Um, you know, coming off that Texans game, he was getting some real good catches. And, you know, other than maybe a few, the interception and also as well the uh, third down play, the third down slant to Hodgins and all these different things. I mean, speaking of Hodgins, he every time or at least most of the time, he just has his hands on everything. So, um, you know, he, he's done really well. He's done really well in the Giants uniform, and I, I really can't rip him too much. I'm going to take a sip, and we're going to talk about this O-line. So, with that being said, let's move it on to the O-line. And before we talk about Evan Neal, I want to talk about this. So, you guys know, in the last few weeks, I've been talking about uh, how the New York Giants should go out, and this was really since the Washington game, just, you know, the first Washington game. Go out there. Get Feliciano out of there, Bredesen, and then Gates. Um, that's obviously not what they're going to do. That's obviously not what they're going to do. And I'm going to stop beating the drum on that because it's like you're beating a, a drum and it's not working. And you're beating a dead horse. Um, but uh, obviously they have this rotation thing where Gates is at left guard, Bredesen is at left guard, and Feliciano stays in at center. And, you know, Feliciano is average at best below average um and I know some people are like why is Feliciano still starting just you know evaluate the young guys and I get it listen I've been harping on that for most of the entire season but it is what it is we're not changing the coaching staff's minds unless Feliciano does really bad or he gets injured you know this is the O-line it's going to be for the rest of the year what I will ask though is and I don't really like saying this but the film and the pressure sheet and all these different things, they say something that really makes me say this is that Nick Gates should not be starting on the O-line unless he's the starting center. Um, there isn't a rapport between him and Feliciano and Thomas. And when he came in at left guard against Washington, I mean, uh, in the preview, I said, look, if they're going to start him at left guard, I'm going to be completely honest. He should be starting at center left guard. I've never really, been wowed by him at left guard i'm gonna be honest like center yeah you know he's good center uh left guard wise no i'm sorry and the rotating it's just not gonna do much of anything and it's not all on nick gates listen it's on the rapport it's on the fact that you know the coaching staff chooses to rotate left guards um but ben ben bredesen that's a tongue twister by the way so if you want to you know throw somebody a tongue twister say ben bredesen really fast five times fast really but uh, Bredesen, man, I know obviously a lot of people see him as average or whatever this, whatever that. Uh, he's he's done really well since coming back. I mean, you just notice that that offensive line, it really looked um, decent, average in the first part of the season. Obviously, they had to work out some kinks and whatnot. But uh, I think they've gelled, and this is an average unit. And listen, it's a better unit, I'm going to be completely honest, than some of the units we've seen over the last few years. It's a better unit than last year this is probably going to be honest with you guys um in my personal opinion this is the best unit that daniel jones has ever seen gonna be real uh 2019 nate solder at left tackle not great john Halapia with center uh you know and then obviously you had a solid right guard you had a decent left guard and you know a stopgap right tackle and then obviously later in the season there was a more run blocking unit in 2020 
But uh, this is the best unit that Daniel Jones has, belt, has dealt with. Now, obviously, bringing Jones back, you know, uh, letting him go into the free agent market, doing whatever, you're going to make upgrades. You're going to have to make upgrades. But this is what it is. You know, this is an average unit. And at the end of the day, I would rather stick with Feliciano at center and Brightest in the left guard, then keep this rotating shit going. If you're going to make a change, just make a change. It's just unstable and unstable, that's really the better word, to keep making these changes, you know. So, there's that. Um, I'm going to take a sip. We'll talk about Evan Neal. Got my Giants cup. Evan Neal, man, I don't know what's the deal with him. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, he's a bust and do all these different things, make all these different comments for clicks, whatever. But, uh... I don't know what's going on in terms of why they're not having him take that third step. Why are they not, you know, recognizing that on film? It's clearly struggling. And listen, you know, he's obviously going to get some good rushers, some bad rushers. He'll have some good reps, some bad reps, whatever. But uh, it's the same goddamn issue. Now, maybe he's hampering that shoulder less or more. Obviously, you know, different folks have to watch the film for that and just to see if he's hampering that shoulder. Uh, because a lot of people think he's at left arm injury. Maybe it's his left shoulder as well that he's hampering as well. Um, but it's just the same issue. He's unbalanced, which obviously, you know, that's going to be an issue over time. That's not necessarily something you can fix unless he, uh, he does wrestling or he loses some weight. But one thing you can fix is just that third step. Take that third step, you know, get back a little bit more don't totally open up and Zadarius Smith Daniel Hunter some of those guys on that right side of the line just took advantage of that and we want to see improvement from Evan Neal and you know we saw improvement from Andrew Thomas in the second half of the 2020 season that's something we would like to see out of Evan Neal and maybe this is more of an offseason thing where they work on it whatever but uh you have to state facts as facts. You can state that he's a rookie, but you can state that he was the worst offensive lineman on the field. That's just facts. Um, and then just a minor note, Chris Myrick and Lawrence Cager did not play offensive snaps despite being active. And I think Myrick, obviously that goes towards they didn't run the football a lot. Um, but Lawrence Cager, I mean, is there really a point of him being on the roster anymore? Myrick is your really third tight end. Um, and then Vanette, he's on the field more than Myrick is. And, you know, Bellinger's there. So it's really Bellinger, Vanette, and Myrick. That's at least a decent core until next year where you could get, you know, more guys of free agency in the draft. But I don't know that really Cager should be on the roster anymore. I mean, if you're not using him in the passing game and, you know, he's deep down on the depth chart, I don't know. So let's talk about the defense. The Giants got four sacks. And even though he didn't get a sack... Dexter Lawrence had a really good game. Dexter Lawrence had a really good game, uh, making a couple of tackles for a loss, just penetrating, doing that good stuff. So, shout-outs to him, man. I mean, I know a lot of people don't like PFF. I don't like PFF, but if you want to be flip-floppy with yourself and your friends, Dexter Lawrence ranks as the number one interior defensive lineman uh, in the NFL over Quinn and Williams. Now, do I believe that? No, I think Quinn and Williams is more of a game wrecker. But, uh, you know, Dexter Lawrence is the best defensive lineman on the Giants. Now, uh, Leo also had a good game. I thought the interior overall had a good game. Leonard Williams had a sack. I think that's maybe a second or third of the season. 
Um, Kayvon was a little quiet, but also two things. You're facing Christian Derrissaw, and they missed a couple of holding penalties, which Adrian Hill's crew is almost never good. Um, I don't think the refs really moved the needle that much, but at the same time, you got to say what facts are facts. And we have the injury bug again. Aziz Ojolari leaves the game early with a sprained ankle, did not return in the second half. Just rest, just rest him to the playoffs. Just rest him till the playoffs. I mean, he had one sack in the game, and he can be a game changer from the other side of the field. And I honestly think that Kayvon didn't, you know, show up too much. Obviously because of Derisaw, but, you know, it's different when you have O'Shane Zimenez or Timon Fox or Quincy Roche on the right side or the opposite side of Kayvon, where Kayvon's really the best pure edge rusher you have when Aziz is off the field, but when Aziz is on the field, it's a different story. So he's got a sprained ankle. Obviously, that's not, you know, too bad of an injury, but leave him till the playoffs. Clinch this week, manipulate, do whatever. You probably, and maybe I'll be wrong with this, maybe I'll be right with this, looks like you're getting a Dory Jackson back so you can throw more blitzes. Now, I don't know the rest of the receiving core for the Colts. That's going to be studied more in the preview, but Michael Pittman, I mean, you know, you cover him up with a Dory Jackson and you play man coverage, that shouldn't be bad. Plus the fact that Jonathan Taylor is out for the rest of the year. I don't know. It looks like the Giants have a lot of advantages going into that game. But nonetheless, Aziz leaves early with a sprained ankle. He actually got a sack on Darasaw, so there's that. Um, Landon Collins, I mean, my wish, and maybe this is me being a fan more than, you know, someone who studies the game, Landon Collins and Tony Jefferson should be the inside linebackers. Um, now, obviously, in real time, in real football, you're not going to do that because, well, they're good on certain snaps. They're not going to have, uh, you know, 100% of the snaps at linebacker. Obviously, you have to rotate Jalen Smith and Micah McFadden and all these other linebackers you have. You know, Cam Brown and Carter Coughlin, solely just special teams. But those two make an impact, especially Landon Collins. Landon Collins got a sack on that game-winning drive for the Vikings, um, which was very big, and obviously the third down, the screen, and all that stuff. I'm going to talk about it once we're talking. We're done talking about the defense and the players and the personnel as a whole. Um, but Landon Collins, man, play him a little bit more than Jalen Smith. Uh, I know, obviously, he's not a pure Mike. He's obviously a converted linebacker. He's really been a linebacker-type player most of his career. But, you know, Jalen Smith obviously gets credit for the sack, but, you know, a lot of guys made that happen. So, um, Landon Collins, shouts to you, man. I'm glad I kept my Landon Collins color rush jersey. That's what I will say. And then Tony Jefferson, shout-outs to him as well. Uh, Giants overachieved with coverage in the first half. Blown up by Hawkinson and Jefferson in the second half. Now, also as well, um, Hawkinson did have the touchdown in the first half. That was blown coverage. I want to say by McFadden, but, you know, once we watch the film and all that stuff, we'll know a little bit more. But, uh, you know, the Giants' coverage overachieved a little bit, and then they started making adjustments. Um, I forget who their offensive coordinator is. It's Wes Phillips, the uh, son of Wade Phillips. But... The dropped interceptions were another, I would say, prime example of unforced errors. You know, McLeod had all the room along the sideline when he was covering, I think it was Adam Thielen, right? He played good coverage. Kirk Cousins overthrew the ball, and McLeod just dropped it. 
He just dropped it. And people said, oh, you know, he wouldn't have been in bounds. No, it's about the process, okay? He catches it. Maybe he gets two feet in, lands it. Giants, obviously, could go down the field with that. Now, also, another change, the biggest change, is Cordell Flott's dropped interception. Couldn't haul it in. I think Flott's been playing well over the last few weeks. You really haven't been calling his name. But that's something you got to haul in. Cordell Flott, man. I mean, the Giants are probably 32nd in interceptions they really don't force him too much but you gotta come down with it cleanly because when that call was overturned the vikings were like okay we got another chance at this guess what they went down the field scored a touchdown um so there's that but uh holmes mcleod and moreau they were not good um moreau obviously probably one of uh the worst well really the worst and you obviously, you know, you're matching up against Justin Jefferson, so you're not going to look good. And uh, Darnay Holmes, I mean, he was burnt in the slot a lot. But, you know, Rodarius Williams continues to sit on the bench. And I think that's not going to change for the rest of the season, unfortunately. I want to talk about something real quick before we move to stock up, stock down in the uh, snap count. A lot of people are saying this game rests on Wick Martindale. I don't really think so. Now, obviously, a lot of people play the results. ton of people play the results because if you blitz on the screenplay and the giants blow it up okay it's great right but that's not really what happened they looked like they were going to blitz they dropped out and then they didn't have enough guys i guess on that side of the field and justin jefferson got the amount of yardage uh for greg joseph to kick the 61 yard field goal now a first down doesn't do anything you know if you tackle him right at the sticks now personally me looking back on it you could have played quarters coverage on that play you could have also dropped into zone on the darn eight play but also zone defense doesn't fix everything because you know if you could double jefferson in a zone maybe he leaves hawkinson or kj osborne or adam thielen open so you know this what if game obviously can be played in multiple ways but um you know this is wink i don't know why anybody's surprised with it i'm not trying to be a homer yeah you could have played quarters coverage or played to one side of the field whatever played the sidelines but uh you know this is wink i don't know what people are expecting a lot of people saw this in the first half we saw coming into this year wink lives and dies with the blitz he loves the pressure on the quarterback he loves the pressure packages that he puts up the players love it too wasn't properly executed um and then as far as you know the won the jefferson on third down yeah you could have went out there and you know not left darnay holmes in one-on-one coverage and it's justin jefferson so you're gonna get beat every time but darnay holmes isn't good in the slot it's just a matter of personnel me personally more than um it's more of personnel and the fact they have justin jefferson over you know the game plan because third down you know in 11 you could have blitzed and hey could have gotten home but it didn't and to be completely honest, guys, it's not like they were sending blitzes the whole game. It's not. It's not like they were sending the blitzes um, the entire game because they dropped out in zone. Man, you got a couple of different looks. It's not like they were trying to blitz the shit out of Kirk Cousins. Justin Jefferson gets 255 yards. No, that's not what happened. So, if anything, Wink and his guys overachieved a little bit. They did. And then the second half, Wes Phillips and the offense made adjustments. And guess what? The Giants were at fault because they didn't execute. So there's that. But stock up, stock down. Aziz Ojolari, Daniel Jones, Dexter Lawrence, Thunder Williams, 
Saquon Barkley, Darius Slayton, Ben Bredesen, Landon Collins, Tony Jefferson, Isaiah Hodgins, and Cordo Flott. Though you could say stock down because he dropped the interception. Stock down, Evan Neal, Richie James, Fabian Murrow, Nick McLeod, and uh, Darnay Holmes as well. I do like Jason Pinnock on those pressure packages, but let's be completely honest. On that Jeff- Justin Jefferson touchdown where he beats um, Fabian Moreau in the inbreaker, Xavier McKinney cuts that off and intercepts that or at least breaks it up because I believe that was a third down play. Now, good. They let him into the end zone. They let him score, and I'm going to be completely honest with you guys. Um, when I was watching that, I'm like, fuck, this game is over. And I thought they were up by like 10 or 9. I'm like, wait a minute, it's a one-score game. We could still win this. And guess what? We almost won. We didn't at the end of the day. So also snap counts as well. Let's take a look at the offense first. Andrew Thomas, Evan Neal, Daniel Jones, Mark Lewinsky, and John Feliciano played 100% of the snaps. Darius Slayton, 99% along with Daniel Bellinger. 97% Isaiah Hodgins. 91% for Saquon Barkley. Richie James, 83%. Nick Gates, 51%. 49% for Ben Bredesen. Um, Matt Breida, 16%, Nick Van Nett, 7%, Marcus Johnson, 4%, and you really don't recognize when Marcus Johnson's on the field. I'm going to be completely honest. Like, I know when Kenny Galladay's on the field. I know when Nick Van Nett's on the field. I know when Brightwell's on the field. I don't know when Marcus Johnson's on the field. It's like, you don't see him. Uh, Kenny Galladay played two snaps, 3%. One of them was the post on the post-wheel route to Richie James, and then Gary Brightwell, 1%. One snap, that was the uh, one-yard loss in the backfield. Dalvin Tomlinson making that play. Defensively, Fabian Moreau, Jason Pinnock, and Julian Love played 100% of the snaps. 97 for Tibbs, 75% for Dexter Lawrence, 68% for Jalen Smith, 67% for Darnay Holmes, Jihad Ward, 62% along with Leonard Williams, 60% for Nick McLeod, 57% for Cordell Flott, 53% for Micah McFadden, 46% for Landon Collins, 39% for Oshane Zimenez, 32% for Tony Jefferson, 31% for Aziz Ojolari, Ryder Anderson, 28%. Justin Ellis, 15%, 6% for Henry Mondo and Dane Belton and Tamon Fox, 1%. It just boggles my mind, really, why Dane Belton isn't playing. And, you know, maybe it's because we're pushing for a playoff run and we can't really have players making mistakes. But uh, at the end of the day, this is supposed to be a developmental year, uh, an evaluation year of different players. And uh, Belton, I think, in my opinion, not as a deep safety, but as a box safety, can make plays in the running game. But uh, we'll see. Like, comment, and subscribe, guys. Turn on post notifications so you know when the live stream pops or drops. Appreciate y'all coming back. Peace out, guys. See you later. Stay cool.